You're listening to the Life Church Livonia podcast, a show where you can hear the teachings from our weekend gatherings. You can catch the full service on our Facebook or YouTube and head over to our website if you'd like to give. Here we're real people following a real God and experiencing real life. Welcome to Life Church Livonia. Good morning, Life Church. It's always a privilege for me to be with you as we uh, consider the Word of God and what Jesus has invited us into. Today's theme is uh, entitled Something Bigger. And the big idea is that you and I were made for a better purpose than just trying to maximize, uh, minimize pain and maximize pleasure. You and I were made to join Jesus in changing the world. And I want to say you won't always uh, hear that message from the culture that you live in. Uh, a lot of what happens in our culture is your success and my success is measured in what we are able to acquire. You know, what kind of home we live in, what kind of vehicle we drive, maybe where we went to school, and th these kinds of things, what we have gathered up for ourselves. But in the kingdom of God, uh, the measuring stick is what we have done for others, what we have done for the love of God to offer back to God, and what we have done to love our neighbor. Our neighbor may also be our spouse, our children, uh, our uh, colleagues at work, our boss, uh, could be our parents, our siblings. But Jesus wants to see what comes out of us more than what we are able to acquire. I'm confident that uh, when I stand before God on Judgment Day, he's not going to ask me how my fantasy football team was doing. He's going to want to know what I have been doing with this one precious life. That he has given me. And know there's forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, and none of us are earning our way to heaven. At the same time, it's really good for us to understand what we have been given a life for. I've been going through the Gospel of Luke, and there's two small stories that really captured my imagination. And the first one is in Luke chapter 12. Uh, beginning in the, uh, no, actually I'm going to talk about the one in Luke 13, the fig tree, uh, which begins in the sixth verse, and Jesus uh, tells this story. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And the vine dresser answered and said to him, Let alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. So this is Jesus' story, and he's like, so what good is a fig tree if it has no figs? Uh, 
What good is a living thing if it's only sucking up all kinds of blessing and no blessing comes out? Uh, and uh, Jesus just leaves that there for us to think about. In the chapter before, Jesus tells a story about bigger barns. And I'm going to find that beginning in the 13th verse. And uh, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his things, of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus invites each one of us to be rich towards God and to not be preoccupied with storing up treasure for ourselves. Someday I will have my own dying day. And uh, it's not language that Jesus uses so much. He says, on that day, my soul will be required of me. That I will stand before God and he will want to know what I've done with this one precious life that he has given me. And, and, and what has been my theme? What has been my direction? I really want to encourage you, and you know, I always keep a mirror right in front so I can look at myself as well, um, that you and I are given people to love. You know, it's good for you and I to ask ourselves, is my spouse happy she married me these days? You know, am I, am I really caring for her? Am I showing her the kind of appreciation she deserves and am I giving them myself how about my kids how are my kids doing do they get enough of my time my focus my attention uh, how about my neighbors do I care about my neighbors how about my workplace do I give them a good day's work for a good day's pay and do it with a good attitude one of the things I've realized, and we'll come to it with our last teaching today, is anything I perform with a bad attitude, I can't offer to God. 
he won't accept it. So if I do something, but I'm angry all the time, if I do something, but I'm feeling sorry for myself, if I do something in a lazy, half-hearted way, how can I offer this to God? So Jesus' disciples would see how much life people would just draw off Jesus every day and how at the end of many days he was really tired. And oftentimes Jesus would say, you know what, fellas, I'm going to go away for an hour or two and, and I'll be back. And when Jesus would come back, they were like, what did he do? He looks great. He looks renewed. He looks reinvigorated. And it's, Jesus, what is this thing you do when you get away? And uh, what Jesus does is pray. So the disciples say, Lord, teach us to do that. Teach us to pray. And it's interesting. They say, teach us to pray. Not teach us how to pray, but teach us to pray. Most of us know how to pray well enough, but we don't necessarily know to pray. pray. Praying isn't always like the first thing we're thinking about when we rise or the last thing we're thinking about when we get ready for bed or in times in between. But when Jesus' followers said, teach us to pray, he taught us how he prays to the Father. He taught us the Lord's Prayer is really how Jesus prays, except for the part that he doesn't have to ask for forgiveness for his sins. Everything else, it's all Jesus. And I want you to realize that when Jesus prays, the things he wants for himself are in the caboose. The things he wants for the kingdom are up front. The first half of the Lord's Prayer is all about God. It's all about his kingdom. The last half of the prayer is, oh, and I need daily bread too, and I need to be forgiven, and I need your help to stay out of trouble. And uh, so please, you know, be with me there too. But it begins with, Father, may you be honored, hallowed be your name, and may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when Jesus prays that, he's not just saying, oh, Father, bless me with your kingdom. He's praying, Father, I pray that where I am, your kingdom is. That your kingdom is there because I am there, and I belong to you. May your kingdom come everywhere I am. And Jesus is teaching us that too. That I pray, Jesus, when I come back to my family at the end of the day, may your kingdom come. Would you be there? And I can't pray that prayer and then not treat my spouse lovingly, not pay attention to my kids, just make sure I got the game on that I want and so on and so forth. If I want the kingdom to come, I can't just make the kingdom come by planting a flag where I am. I need to 
do the things that Jesus taught us to do in that time, in that space. And if I do, the kingdom is there. Uh, when Jesus neared his death, he said to his disciples, it's good for you that I go. If I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Spirit is with you now, and he will be in you. So the Spirit was with the disciples because Jesus was with them. But the end game is that the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of Jesus, lives inside of you and me. And so when we pray this, we're praying, Jesus, wherever I am, can I be a king's man? Can I be a king's woman? Can I claim this hour for you? When I call my parents and ask them how they're doing, would your kingdom come? When I listen to my child tell me about their day, would your kingdom come? When somebody's correcting me, and I don't know if all men are like this or just me, but it takes me a minute to receive correction. Well, you know, Evelyn will say, you know, Bob, when you do that, and there's like a silence for about 10 seconds at least, a delay. And that's like, yeah, okay. I, I hear that. May your kingdom come in how I receive correction and how I get discipled. You know, a beautiful thing, each of us have been given a conscience. And one of the most beautiful things in the world to witness among followers of Jesus is when we make changes that nobody else made us make. But we... You know, Scripture says, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. And we look at our life, and it's like, you know what? My life is a, too selfish. I need to make a change. And God is great. He won't lay all the change on us at one time. Change one thing, because the kingdom has come. And may your will be done the way it is in heaven. Can you imagine Angel Gabriel going over to talk to Angel Michael and say, you know what, I have to go to Nazareth, talk to this teenage girl who doesn't know what's going on, telling her that she's going to bring forth the Messiah. Why do I have to go? Can we even imagine that that's how his will is done in heaven? And if, if that seems ridiculous to you and me, Think about his will should be done here. I remember hearing Mother Teresa saying to a group of novices, if you can't do this with joy and a good attitude, don't come. Please don't come. Your service is not required. What could be a worse thing for you and I to hear from Jesus than, you know, your service is not required. Here. You're not offering me a humble spirit and a whole heart. So we're all taught to pray, create me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew, renew a right spirit within me. I'm going to conclude today uh, with the words of Jesus at the end of Matthew 6, 
where he tells us not to worry about what we're going to eat or drink or what we're going to put on, that everybody knows we need these things. And then he tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And those other things will follow. Everything else will be added unto you. The everything else in your life and mine is always meant to be the caboose. Part of faith is you trust God to take care of your needs and a lot of your wants as well. But you want to be sure to take care of what's important to him. And when he says your righteousness, the Hebrew word for righteousness and justice is the same word. So even this week, I met a neighbor who had to go to court. It's like, is justice going to be just for him? He said, will you go with me? And I really didn't want to go. But it's like, is that an important value to God? That there's justice for my neighbor. There's justice for me. It's not just us. That as long as everything's good for just us, to hell with everything else and everybody else. We never learn that from Jesus. So it's my hope today that you and I realize we were made for a better purpose. We were made uh, for more than our own pleasure and our own acquiring things. We were made to produce some figs. We were made to be nourishing for the other people in our lives. And may the Holy Spirit apply that to each one of us the way we best need it. Uh, thank you for this opportunity. Let's pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, praise to your name. Hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come in me, to me, May your will be done in me, in us, on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.